as season one progressed, it started to to change from telling our story to using our story. And by using our story, it opened up the doors for other people to start telling their stories. It's amazing how the people start resonating with your story when you start using it to open that door and create that safe space for someone else to reach out for help. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Well, welcome back to an OCJ podcast from darkness to life. My name is Damian Davis here uh, at the Plugged In Media Network, about to uh, introduce some new members to Our Collective Journey on Season 2, Part 2 of this podcast. Uh, Derek and Amber... Hey. Welcome to your to the podcast, Eric. You've done one yes. before. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, one or two. One. Yeah, yes. with uh, Daffy and I think my wife. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. that's right. And then Amber, this is your first. I'm a newbie. A newbie. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. It's hard to be quiet on here. Actually, <laughs> listening to you guys talk, I'm just like want to uh, jump in. Jump in. Well, in, jump, uh, in jump in. I know it. Uh, it. Uh, Usually it took us about like 15 minutes, you know, at the top of each episode to kind of get comfortable and then start kind of rolling. So, you know, you kind of had a few minutes to listen and hear and what, uh, what got you interested in our collective journey and wanting to be a part of Well, it's funny, us. uh, when you guys were talking about it earlier, people just showed up to a golf tournament. Well, I was one of those people. I was like, I like golfing. My work's paying for it. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. And it was a great day. Um, really great great golf tournament too by the way it was really well put together um but i left that room after listening to rick and i'd went home right after and i thought wow i fit here i totally fit here i was like i don't fit the box of rick but i fit here yeah. like i definitely have a lived experience my experience is very different than everybody in this room um where i am today is very different the timeline is different but what i think that i found resonated with me is that I didn't feel like I needed to fit in a box to be here. Mm -hmm. And I, I went home and I could barely sleep. And I sat there the next night on my couch and I was like, you know what? I know somebody met somebody on LinkedIn and said, hey, how can I be part of this organization? Um, and then I think I had lunch with Rick next day. And then I hung out with you guys like a day after that. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm here <laughs> in a room with, as one of the boys. Yeah. Not a boy. <laughs> so it's, it's really... It's really neat, and it, and I don't know anybody in this community that has shared lived experience with me because my drug use was so long ago. Yep. Um, so it was really great to meet people and talk about my life and the things that I went through, and not have any judgment. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like all my friends here don't didn't have drug addicted parents, or you know, or victims of suicidal parents, or this, that, and the other things. So I just, it's not really a conversation that comes up or that you talk about. So it was kind of neat to bring it back to the surface. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. It is. Uh, it's cool to have you on board and to uh, maybe found, you know, that voice and some purpose to want to be part of this and be, you know, a part of the change. Yeah. Uh, the wave that's kind of taking over, allowing people to, to be okay with their story, right? Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Lived experience is huge. And 
and I'm in agreement. It's like it's hard to talk to someone who really you feel doesn't understand you, right? It's organically we've all been in the same room talking, and it's like it's hard to really shut us up and get us out of a room yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. right? So <laughs> when you have people that you can just have a natural conversation with, it's pretty easy. It is it's cool. Yeah, I think the universe puts uh, puts you in the right spot at the right times for the right reasons, um, and that's why you're here. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And awesome. now I got all these new friends. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, and some who share more than I'd like to. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny. I found, uh, we, I listened to that last podcast again. You know, I, I don't have a lot of friends. I've become very selective in, you know, who I choose to spend my time with. And, and it's people that are living more purpose-filled lives. Um, ones that are wanting to be on the cutting edge of change and, and supporting people. And yeah, welcome. I'm, I'm super stoked that, uh, we have a, a new voice and, and I look forward to hearing more about your story in the, in the future. Yeah, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. And Derek. Good day, everybody. How's Derek? <laughs> Derek is fantastic today. Yeah. Um, very happy, very honored, very humbled to um, have been brought into this, our collective journey uh, group. And um, I, uh, I had a conversation with Rick about five years ago that he might not even understand how big of an impact that it had on me then. And um, I was uh, sitting downstairs in my house and uh, doing over a lot of um, hard stuff. And uh, I, I had put out a uh, 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 video for a Bell let, 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 Let's Talk Day. And... Um, and uh, Rick had uh, texted me and had um, explained to me some of his uh, struggles, and it um, it it really opened up my eyes to the fact that there were people that I grew up with that had the same you know troubles, same you know traumas, the same kind of issues as uh, you know m- me. And uh, now I uh, find myself sitting here today um, after a year and a half of being back in the hat. And uh, it, was, it was a year and a half of uh, self-discovery, um, a year of uh, change. Um, I uh, found myself in my own 12-step program that I wish I would have had a long time ago. Um, this year was the year that I finally, you know, figured out that I did have a drinking problem back in the day. And, um, and until I was able to own that part of me, um, I, uh, I still struggled and, um, I'm just happy to be here and, uh, can't, can't wait to, uh, get to know all to know you guys more and uh, to be a part of what what whatever OCJ is going to you know turn into so thanks a lot yeah amazing you know I think you grew up with my wife Julie yeah yeah so you guys have known yeah. each other for a long time oh, and sure. you know Rick seems to know everybody with a drinking problem and medicine <laughs> <laughs> so yeah welcome to the club <laughs> <laughs> You'll get your t-shirt out. <laughs> You've been ricked. 
No, it's it's. Uh, I think there might be a formal charge attached to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Time served. <laughs> you did it. Yeah. No, it's it's really cool. You know, I think uh, we've yeah we've all Rick and Ryan and I had no idea where this was going, and, and to see two more amazing people that have kind of decided to to get on board and you know to take an active part in in helping other people is pretty cool, right? And you guys are an example of. Uh, I guess why we started this was just to empower, like Rick said, other people to, to just start doing. And, and, you know, I guess, uh, you're doing, you're part of, and who knows where this is going, but, uh, yeah. it feels pretty good to have, you know, a few other voices, some prettier than the others in the room. So thanks. I didn't want to look at Derek too hard, but <laughs> Uh, thanks for just putting me on the spot yeah. <laughs> there's definitely eye contact there yeah, it was just fleeting but uh, it was nice <laughs> so what uh, so with you guys you know deciding to reach out to to OCJ and to be a part of what do you guys what's the catalyst that or, or the change that you want to create in your community or, or in yourselves that that kind of drew you to us as opposed to something I think, like, I listened to a lot of what you said, too, about parenting today. I think when you grow up or go through any type of traumatic experience or addiction, we're, I feel like we're never, on, we're never not on a path to, for growth, right? Like, things come up when you least expect them to come up, and then you're always just special. Raising kids is hard like super hard as a male, as a female, being somebody who grew, grew up as an addict, as a young adolescent, I fear the worst of my children. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want them to be in that, uh, in the same boat as me. So yeah, like understanding and, you know, I learned more about myself listening to you guys and hopefully I can be a support for someone who can resonate with my story mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, get some attraction there to help some some people too their road to recovery or change so here's just a uh, question that came to me so like did you grow up in medicine hat no i grew up in a small village in saskatchewan okay so a bunch and so you said you've been here for a while and and you haven't really told your story to not really here other than my husband yeah you know and and some of my close friends but yeah no it's just never really a topic of discussion yeah. yeah. All my good friends from back home know me as the extreme friend. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, the ADHD extremist. I was always that person out of the girl group. Yeah. Uh, I said, we always did things fun and you always took it to the new level. Hell yeah. <laughs> you'll fit in good. Yeah, you'll get your t shirt after the show, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, was there any fear in, you know, putting yourself out there at the beginning, or was what Rick said at the golf tournament so profound that it kind of just got rid of all that fear for you? No really like I don't I don't really have any shame in in my past I think everybody has one and if you say you don't you're you're a liar and you're polishing a shitty turd because yeah. everybody's got problems in their house um I, and then I just lost track of where I was going with that my brain squirreled shitty turd shitty turd <laughs> I, I lost myself at the turd but no I, I'm really not ashamed of my past I think I've learned a lot and I understand more I understand more of my mom's situation, I understand more of my situation. And yeah, no, it's just that it, I have people who are, are really successful individuals. And we, we, like you said, we live a growth mindset. So 
I don't really sit and dwell on my past very much. Yeah. You know, I'm not in the same space. I'm happy to be where I am. And I'm fortunate to be where I am and have really good people around me. And now you get to use all of that experience to support others that might be suffering. Yeah, yeah you bet. It's pretty yeah. cool. It is. It's, uh, it's amazing that we all had to go to such negative <laughs> depths to, to get to the point to realize that uh, we can help people just by being us. Well, you don't get out of the pit until you're at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us take it a lot further than others. Sounds like you might have been one of those ones. That oh, took yeah. It I went to far. the pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely went to the pit. Yeah. It was pretty great. I'm excited to share my story on here, too. Yeah. It's no, it's, uh, I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> it sounds crazy as that sounds when somebody's got a terrible yeah. past. Yeah. I can't wait to hear how yeah. fucked up you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You had a way shittier than life than mm. me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's funny too, because we do, and that was something I brought up. I was like, wow, you know, you do have a shitty experience, but you do think of other people and you're like, wow, is my experience or was it shittier than someone else's? But it really was shitty for me and yours was shitty and mm-hmm. yours, everybody's yours was shit. <laughs> and we lived through it and now we get to tell it and get people else, other people out of the shit. Yeah. You know, pain yeah. is pain. Trauma is trauma. There, yeah. you know, there's varying degrees, obviously, but it's it's yours, you yeah. know, and and when you're in it, it it's the worst thing in the world. And you see, for me, I see no way out. Yeah. Um. Until somebody, you know, showed me that there was a way, and and I think that's the biggest blessing of all of this for me is that I now get to use all of that pain and trauma to to do good, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I worry about the same things. I got three little boys, and I'm like, man, everybody on my one side of the family tree is addicts and alcoholics are all, most of them are recovered at this point. And I'm just like, fuck my kids, you know, what's, what's going to happen, but maybe I can just be that example or broke that or break that cycle so that they don't have to go through it. And if they do, maybe they have an example of how to get out. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it terrifies me because like my boys are all coming to age, right? Like 17, 15, 13, you, you, we can like, start seeing their, real character come out right it's not like just you start to have some real more profound conversations with them and and you can really start to tell who they are and every time i recognize a a piece of me in them it terrifies me right it like i get this nauseous pit in my stomach going like oh god why can't that be why can't you be more like your mom (laughs) (laughs) and uh and like, thank God they're ha- genetically half her. Cause if they were all just copies of me, oh my God, it would be, it would be a disaster. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, everybody sitting around this table is a parent and we can all recognize at the end of the day, you know, I think everybody just wants a better, better life for their kids. And, uh, and for me, I think what is a little different for me than it is from, from Ryan and Damien anyway, is, uh, my kids were at a lot of those parties that I threw, right? They seen, they seen the glorification of the party and the booze and the bands and the, like the extravagance that I went to, to make sure that there was a really good party all the time. So, um, I think, well, I, again, as they get older, I think a little bit of the, I, I thought I sheltered them a lot from a lot of the stuff that was, was going on, but, uh, as they get older and we have some deeper conversations, like they, they even start recognizing some of the things that we were going on, maybe not in the moment, but now in hindsight, they can be like, Oh, I know what those guys were doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, 
I've, I feel like I've got to undo this damage that I've done because I spent so much of their lives glorifying the party that now I've got to try to undo that and show them the cost of the party, right? right. And, it, and, it, and they recognize it because they've had to live through it through our family experience, right? And mm -hmm. they, they watch this thing almost tear their family apart. And, uh, and so I just got to keep living in that truth of, you know, it's, it's a trick. It's a tricky balance though, of letting them live their own lives and, and have their own journey and experience their own things and, and make their own mistakes. Yeah. It scares you shitless. It scares, yeah. Like, <laughs> it scares yeah. me shitless. Yeah. yeah. You know, watching a 17 year old kid going out to a grad party with a, with a case of beer. And I'm like, oh, I know what that can turn into, but like yeah. at the same time, it's like, but well, maybe not. Maybe yeah. you're just a kid in grade 12 is going to go out and crush a case of beer and you're going to have a great time and that'll be it. And, and, I've, and I've got to let you experience that. Right. And, and not scare you out of life. For sure. You know, you talk about glorifying the party and your kids being part of that. And, you know, I, I had one of the most profound conversations with my oldest son. He's 22 now. And, and earlier this spring I had it with him and it wasn't, you know, the big parties or it wasn't, you know, all the other things that stand out for me. It was hearing him tell me that, you know, when I was, I want to say it was nine years old and he had a sleepover. He had one of his little buddies, his, one of his best little buddies sleepover that night. And I came and I have no recollection of any of this happening, like most Friday or Saturday nights. And I came home and fell down the stairs and was laughing and thought it was hilarious at one, two in the morning. Right. And he had his little buddy there. And so nine years old, now he's 22. And he's telling me that story that that was one of the most embarrassing moments of his life for him was to see his dad like that and have his friends see his dad like that. And never once was it, he never had that safe space to tell me that. Right. And so 11 years, 12, 13 years later, he's telling me that. And, and I can't imagine what else he's carried with him over the last 13 years that he saw or heard or witnessed. Or so for me, it's like not the things that I think are impacting him. It's, it's like, it's like trauma. We talk about trauma all the time, right? And it's not trauma is not the event itself. It's how it's processed by that person, right? So you get hit by a car. It's going to be different for you, Rick, than it is for me. It's going to be different for Amber. It's so for him, it's to understand what was traumatic for him. It had nothing to do with what I thought I shouldn't be doing. It was like how he processed it. And now that was so eye-opening for me. It was like, holy shit, I never would have ever thought about that. But it's the simple thing of me falling. How many people in this room have fallen down the stairs drunk before? Well, and how many of us don't remember doing it? <laughs> right. right? <laughs> but it was for him, he told me that was the most embarrassing thing. And I thought, well, thank God you didn't see the next night. <laughs> but, you know, it's just eye-opening to hear my, my son now have that open communication with me that he can have that conversation. It's Yeah, I uh, kind of, tr I tried to, you know, hide it, right? I, I, I would drink um, almost every night downstairs. And I, uh, I like honestly thought that I was keeping my kids out of that stuff, right? Because I, I, I didn't want them to understand or, or to, you know, see me, you know, struggling so much and i i i uh, found out um a couple months ago that my daughter had a real big problem with how much i used to drink and and i i don't recall ever being out of control but when she starts talking about you know dad this time when we went here you you did this or that time at the branding you did this and it's like yeah it's like holy crap you know 
I thought I was just doing what what was okay, right? Because that's what what I had, you know. I guess you know, grown up with was mm-hmm. you know you that um, you know partying. That's how we. That's how we let go of the week, right? We we could you know, we could have all this st- stuff happen to us, and then you know Saturday it was time to get drunk, and mm-hmm. and um you know I now I I I uh I hope that my that my kids don't grow up to be exactly you know like me, but um I. I'm, you know, trying now to to kind of be that um, the you know proper example of of you know just not what you know like a man should be, but how to be you know like a dad and how to be a good you know you know partner because my kids also grew up in a house where me and their mom were constantly arguing, right and. And um, I, it's uh, it's uh, something that I've I've had to, um, you know, talk to Emma about that I've had to you know talk to uh, you know to a counselor about. Yeah. And um, you know, I I struggled with you know feeling like I was a a you know good dad and my counselor said to me he said the you know the uh, fact that like you were in here and you know talking about it you know shows me that you 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 like are a good dad and that like you are you know trying to to be the you know the best version of 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 you know yourself so mm-hmm. you know all of us probably have a lot of regrets of the things that we did, but um, the past, it is the past, and we, we get to choose every day what we put our our time into. We get to choose who we, you know, s- spend our time with, and we get to choose everything that uh, we put in into our, you know, our um, minds and into our, you know, bodies and, you know, some of those choices are, are, you know, super hard to make and, and I guess what I want to be able to do is to be able to help people to understand that they have choices, that they have, you know, opportunities to, to change and, um, no matter how you know far down the path you you know think you are or how you know far off the path you think you are there's there there are people who who understand people who who aren't going to judge you mm-hmm. because we've we've all been there so yeah. yeah i got something you know listening to rick you share that story about your kids me sharing mine derek you sharing yours it takes me to a place where, you know, I, I revisit a lot of the conversations I've had with, with parents or with kids, right? Or adult kids, kids of alcohol, whatever it looks like, right? Where I came from a normal home, right? And I thought I did too. And I'm sure at one point I thought my kids came from a normal home until I hear these stories, right? Of how our behavior and our substance use affected our kids at certain times of their lives, right? And I think about the parents that are reaching out now 
And I'm just going to say it. If you're honestly, if you're drinking and drugging and you have small kids at home or young kids, fucking it's time to take a look at that because the kids grow up. Look at the story I just shared about my kid, right? He's fucking struggling with drugs and alcohol most of his teenage life. And I didn't think I was a part of that. And now I hear this story 13 years later and I'm like, holy fuck, how impactful was that on his life? Me falling down the stairs drunk. And I would do that on a regular basis. And so would a lot of my friends. And, and then I hear people say, well, it's, you know, it's not my fault. My kid's fucked up. How can we fix this? And I'm like, man, like, let's look at society in general. And when they're young and in those developmental years and we're fucking out there partying like rock stars and doing what we do, cause we don't think we're hurting anybody but ourselves. It's our life and our money and we should be able to do what we want. And and then our kids grew up to be addicts and alcoholics. Well, fuck. And I'm not saying that from a place of judgment or I did it too, but it's like, let's look at this because shit is getting real out there and addiction isn't going anywhere. It's getting worse. So, I mean, let's, the action piece is let's, if you're drinking and drugging, maybe it's time to look at yourself. Maybe that is part of the problem, right? The, the behaviors we do at home in, you know, on a Saturday when it's time to get fucked up after work, yeah. <laughs> who, who else are we impacting? And it might not show up today or tomorrow or next year but at some point it it could so. well, and i've heard a lot of things here like i heard derek say you know that was my normal mm-hmm. you know i didn't even know that that wasn't normal because that's just how i grew up and that's kind of our story totally. you know um the other thing i heard was you know that really impacted me this morning was you know rick was just talking about looking at his kids and saying oh why are they like me why why is that in them right and and I've been able to, to, uh, what's this mean? Oh, your armrest. Oh, oh I hit my knob. phones off. Yeah, sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, there. It's perfect. Technical difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what happened? Uh, Where'd everyone go? <laughs> so then, uh, yeah, the about? one time we let you host the show, you <laughs> yeah. can't touch the fucking buttons. Yeah, I didn't. I was just going to cry there and all of a sudden Ryan's, wrap it up, sorry, wrap buddy. it up, wicking his finger out. <laughs> turn me up, turn me up. Uh, we're done listening to you. But where I was going with that, I was like, <laughs> I do look at my kids too. And I'm thinking like my, my sons have never seen me drink or drug. Um, but I still have these, these character defects that come out that I see myself in them, but I also forget. And my wife reminds me all the time that look at all the beautiful things that your sons are, that you are. Mm -hmm. My sons are empathetic and they're caring and they love people and they love kindness and they want to help. And they get that from, Right. Um, I forget that they have character traits for me. I just always look at the negative. Look what a piece of shit you are, Damien. Look at all the fucking negative, even sober, you know, Mm -hmm. what am I, what terribleness am I bringing to this family? Are they going to be like me? Are they going to, you know, suffer like I suffered? And, And again, I look back on my life and my dad was an alcoholic or he's a recovered alcoholic. And I had all those things that you know my parents had parties they did all these things but that didn't cause me to be that i just was and when i became responsible for where i was at when i got sober i then get got to realize that my dad actually set the example of what it's like to get sober Mm -hmm. you know that he did all these things to help himself but in turn he became that example for me and i get to be that example for my sons where i still struggle you know i go through shit i have anger and they see me work through that and I am responsible for that when I'm with them. And I, I let them know that that's, it's okay to be angry. It's not okay to be violent. It's okay to be sad, but it's not okay to run away. It's okay to be whatever. 
Um, but I'm responsible for those emotions. And I guess that's, you know, what I'm hearing is I have to see the positive in things sometimes. Right. And, and that's why I'm sitting here today with you guys is to, to learn, you know, I didn't show up this morning thinking we'd just be talking about parenthood and, <laughs> and all these things, but that's, you know, where I'm at. And that's what I'm learning today is maybe to see the, the beautifulness a little bit more. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know if I can say this correctly, but I think when, when we're addicts and I know living with a parent is an addict, when my mom wasn't using, I didn't see my mom as an addict. I see my mom as an amazing, loving individual. And I feel like that's how your kids see you today. Your kids don't actually see you as the horrible piece of shit mm-hmm. that you think you are, right? They only see a loving, caring individual who shows up every day for them, who's not a train wreck. Yeah, but they, and they, they say, like, they see when I, they see when I get down on myself, when I get angry at me or I get sad. And they ask me, you know, why are you angry at yourself? Just stop being angry at yourself. And that's like, fuck. Well, how? Why? You know, they're, they're brilliant. And they just, they just, yeah, there's no, there's no agenda, yeah. you know? And, and here I just beat myself up with hammers and yeah. got to do it perfect. Got to be this way. You're not enough. You're not this. And it's like, fuck, just be a dad. Just, yeah. you know. Yeah. And in the last, like I was <clears throat> shared, you know, in the last two months, I've, this anger that I've got, um, which is one of my, I think, comfort places, right? Is anger. Um, I, I, if I'm aware and I'm conscious and I'm outwardly focused, I can recognize when, when my wife and my kids start tiptoeing around me <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, shit, I'm there. Eh? And, and I don't necessarily recognize it in me. I see them acting weird. And I'm like, <laughs> why are you guys acting weird? And then it kind of clicks. I'm like, Oh, cause, cause you're scared of me right now. Like, and I don't mean scared, like violence, right? I've never hit any, my kids or my wife or, um, but just they don't want to upset dad, right? Because I know, like, when I go off, I I get fucking angry, right? And uh, and it's, but then for me, I go from angry from that self recognition, angry to pissed off at me, back to like oh, I'm a piece of shit, I'm oh big yeah. time, right? And I'm like, so I go from like one negative extreme to a different negative extreme like in the snap of a finger, right? And it's like, okay, it's not until I get to sit in rooms and have these conversations with, with you guys. And I'm like, okay, well, I got to get out of that space, right? I got to get out of that space. Cause I go from pissed off to pissed off at everybody else to pissed off at me. Mm-hmm. I'm still pissed off. I'm still angry, right? It just, where is it directed? And I need to, I definitely need to do a better job of, uh, not, I don't want to say not getting pissed off because it's, it's going to happen, right? It's, it's living in it, recognizing it and moving on, right? And dealing with it and doing what I got to do to get to a healthy space again. Cause, cause yeah, I've been an asshole, you know, the more I sit in here, I'm like, man, I've been kind of a dick. <laughs> and, and you, like you sitting in the corner and pointing to Ryan, you're laughing going, yeah, oh, fuck, we all knew you were angry for laughing. Why the fuck didn't you say anything, man? <laughs> I can distinctly remember bringing, maybe not blatant, this is a lesson for me too. I'm just going to call it out now, but bringing up a few things with a little bit of humor, right? And then get the one word, no, or okay, cool. I know you're dealing with shit, right? But yeah, that's, that's something that I've learned from too. And 
I'm going to call you on it. Yeah. Asshole. yeah. By all means. And, and know that I'll get angry at you, <laughs> but then I'll get over it and love you again. For sure. But there's, yeah, there's nothing worse than when my son just spills some water and his first look up is, are you angry? Yeah. I'm like, fuck. Furthest thing from it, son. And, but that's triggered, like, when am I showing up angry over men, like things that mean nothing? You know, what, what, what is, obviously that's a behavior or a trait that I've exemplified that's now what he thinks is normal, right? Are you angry? Are you angry? It's like, fuck. And then it's like right to the core mm-hmm. piece of shit, garbage. Your kids should be better off without you. And it's like instantly that my disease kicks in, hurt yourself, go away, leave. And yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh. yeah. all right, more work to do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I had to really learn and wrap my head around is, is the fact that each of us is only you know, able to, to deal with our traumas in a way that, that it used to serve us to protect us, to, um, you know, keep us uh, safe. And, um, I think a lot of, a lot of our, you know, so-called preconceived, uh, character, you know, uh, uh, f- uh, whatever f- laws, I guess, um, are 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 actually are are you know bodies and 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 are you know <laughs> delicate brains trying to find ways to you know cope and and I uh, think that all of us are are able to to understand what you know what it's like to find you know things that that you know promote you know you know healthy stuff and um um i i uh i had to learn to swallow my ego i had to turn off my you know pride and um i i had to truly you know sit with with it all and just say you know what i was the way i was because i was hurt and hurt people hurt people and mm-hmm. i knew i knew you know no other way to, you know to be and um i just i uh, think that all of us have the the cap capabilities to um you know rethink our perspectives on on the tough stuff because when when uh, you can you know take yourself out of that you know victim spot and you know say how how can i take back my my you know power um you have to ask a lot of honest questions of 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 like yourself and um yeah i guess just being you know gentle with yourself especially when you're struggling with that you know conflict that's all happening in a side of you so yeah so maybe this is a good time to get a female perspective on this now that we have a female in the room to join us Is that do you do you think that that's a that anger piece is a male dominated thing? Because I'm hearing us talk about how we go to anger, and then like, do you recognize that in in you or in other women, or do you think that's more of a male dominated? 
I would default for me. I don't necessarily feel like I have anger, but I definitely have a perfectionist issue. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe yours portrays in getting upset over little things where I just need everything to look perfect and feel perfect. And that's something I still have to work on. Like leave the floors. <laughs> it's okay. Wanting my kids to be perfect, you know, having like an understanding that I hope they go to college and I want them to get good grades, but understanding I struggle to understand like the gap of, of letting them fail naturally, like natural consequences. If you actually don't do good in school, then you don't move forward. And that's not my problem. It's yours. Right. But I think we wear a lot of, a lot of that, but I don't feel like I, I suffer in the, from yeah, getting too angry all the time. No, I think I'm more of an emotional Emotional burdener and perfectionist. Yeah. What's an emotional burdener? <laughs> I don't know. Like I'll just, <laughs> I would probably cry or something versus get angry. I don't know. That's, See, and, and, and so I'm. That's my choice of words. Yeah, yeah. So I think like I'm an emotional burdener too. I, <laughs> I. Uh, we just might portray differently. Yeah, like I, when I'm, I'm a dink sometimes when it comes to if I'm feeling slighted or I don't feel enough then I'm going to make sure that somebody else does, you know, like, and it's usually my wife. So, you know, I'll be angry because Owen, our one-year-old is up five times a night and I'm like not sleeping and not realizing that I'm not getting up with him. And then I get up in the morning and Julie's like, good morning. And I'm like, no, not today. <laughs> like if I'm suffering, fuck you, you suffer too. And then everyone's going down. And with then me. my <laughs> ego's up like, well, you should say sorry. No, fuck that. She should say sorry. You know? And, yeah. and it says, this was just yesterday. <laughs> and so, why, why does that come out? Why do I have to hurt people to make me feel good? Why, you know, the, you know I think, so it's funny. I, I love to not say sorry to my husband. Uh, I fucking suck. <laughs> and he will be the first to tell you I'm the biggest <laughs> asshole in our house who like literally can't say sorry for anything. Like it's, it's funny. It happens more often than it should. Now I lost where I was born. You guys I really just squirrel uh, in the midst of my conversation all the time. Polish a turd. Polish a turd. Fuck. <laughs> um, you suck at saying sorry. I, 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 okay, yeah. So I think like ultimately it's us not. I think for me, I get that way because I don't know if I necessarily can process my emotions quick enough to know why I'm upset to right? So then I might portray. And maybe I do come across as angry and I just haven't realized that. Maybe I did realize that now that I might. I might just be the asshole. I can't apologize. And usually it takes me a lot longer because I have to go back, unwind myself, and then understand why. Mm-hmm. Like, And things just click with me later. I'm, I always say I'm a slower processor. I need to really check myself in so that I can comprehend why I'm being an asshole in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and know, I take it out on my poor husband all the time. I know I struggle communicating that too. Because um, I get to that self-recognition of, okay, I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm whatever, whatever my emotional state is, but then, and, and I, I use a tool that I learned in, in 12 step to kind of get through that process to figure out what's going on with me. Um, but that process sometimes takes some time for me. Mm-hmm. It, it does. It isn't like a, an instant thing. Right. And, and I'll find myself angry and then Typically, you know, and my poor wife, she takes the brunt of it, I think, because I'll, I'll find myself recognizing an emotional state that I'm in. And then I just kind of shut down Mm -hmm. and that shutdown for me is the process, right? And now I'm sitting and I'm thinking, why, 
Why am I, what was my part in this? Why, why do I feel this way? What was my part in it? What, you know, it, and it's a process. And especially when I'm angry, like I got to subdue the anger to start recognizing what my role is in it. And that it, it, it just takes time. Right. But to somebody on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. I've just completely shut down. And now given my history, I'm sure there's a lot of concerns about what's going on in my head, in my head during that shutdown. Right. And, uh, and it truly is just a process. And I think I probably got to get better at communicating that now that we're all sitting here talking. <laughs> I was like, wow, we got the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, and I think that's what it is. Like, I don't, I don't think there's a right or wrong or good or bad in all of this. I think we've talked about this lots. It's about having this awareness that this is, this is my go-to. Like what Derek said, there was a point in my life where my default was, I can't say sorry because if I say sorry, then I'm weak. And if I'm weak, I'm worthless. And, and that's my default, right? I got to fight everybody and everything to feel worthy of something, right? So saying sorry for me is weakness, right? But, but it's the opposite of that. Um, and then I listen to what you're just saying, Rick, and, and I go to a place where if I'm, and it happens quickly for me where I'm okay, something goes on, and then I'm in like complete chaos where I, it's either deal with it or I'm going to melt down internally to a point where it gets really dark really fast. And if I go there, I'm going to bring everybody down with me. You know, life is going to be miserable for my wife. My kids aren't going to, you know, they're going to be concerned and I'm just going to be, you know, I want you to come ask me what's wrong and to help me, but then I want to tell you to fuck off while you're doing it. Right. <laughs> like that's why, why, why isn't she coming to help? And, and, but I want, I just want to be comforted, mm-hmm. but I don't want that at all. So, to recognize that and say, okay. And I've noticed I run away. Like dad's mad, gets in his truck, fucks off. And then I see my kids doing that. They get mad. They run away. And I'm like, Whoa, all right. I can't do that anymore. If I get mad, own it, but then come and be responsible for it. And then teach your kids that that's what that is, right? That they can say sorry, that they can be mad, that they're allowed to have those feelings. Um, and that's, I guess, the, the recognition for us is, okay, these are our defaults. Mm-hmm. Are they working? Are they not working? And if they're not working, all right, maybe I have to have a conversation with my wife and figure out how we're going to approach when I'm in crisis. Yeah. It, it, and it is a tricky storm to navigate. This whole bloody episode turned into parenting, I guess. Um, but it, it is a tricky, tricky thing to navigate, I think, because like, I come home from work almost daily. So I, I leave for work before my kids, me and my wife have a slightly different schedule. I'm out of the house before anybody's up, but then I'm the first one home. So she kind of deals with the morning activities and I deal with the afternoon, evening activities with as far as the kids go. Right. And almost every single day I come home and every single cabinet door in my kitchen is open. There's 40 dishes on my, on my counter and half eaten bowls of cereal. And just like, it looks like I've, I've had a football team come through my house. Right. And like, I immediately go like, why the fuck can't you guys close? Like I, I try to minimize my expectations to just like get them close to the, <laughs> to the sink or like just close the cabinet door. Right. And it, it's every, I, I'm exaggerating, but not by much. It's, it's <laughs> like every single day I come home to this bomb in a kitchen and my first 35 minutes when I walk in the door is cleaning up somebody else's mess that I'm not responsible for. And I can, 
I can feel my blood pressure increasing, right? And then my kids come down the stairs and the first thing out of their mouth, what's for supper? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, hey, how was your day? Thanks. You know what I just spent the last half hour doing? Cleaning up your goddamn mess, not mine, right? And it just like, boom, like there's tension immediately, right? And that is like every single day. And, and so it's this tricky balance of, I don't want to not have those confrontations with my kid because at some point they need to be responsible. They need to learn that they need to clean up their own mess. They need to, they, you know, and maybe that's my fault for doing it, right? Like maybe that's my role in this is I got to quit doing it and just go get them and say, get your ass downstairs. And like to any parents out there, parenting advice, you got to get the Shaw, like Shaw, you better be sponsoring me for this. The Shaw, like you blue sky. Yeah. Shut hells oh, yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> I've got the most power in my hand. I can just shut off internet at any time to any device in my house, right? We're the gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to get you you want to get your kids downstairs for supper? Boom! I can count to thirty, and they're standing in front of me, right? There's the Wi-Fi. You, oh, they literally oh, do dude. it. You no. turn it off, and my kids will be. You can hear them coming. Yeah, it, you count to thirty, coming. and they're standing in front of you. Yeah. And like now they know that they're in shit. As soon as the Wi-Fi goes off, they're like, oh, what did I do? And they'll come down and, and, uh, but it's this tricky balance, I guess, of, of, you know, not wanting to overly coddle your kids. And I guess that's where some of those natural consequences come. But at the same time, I have a tendency of not having a good balance, right? I go from no consequences to I'm fucking livid and, <laughs> and like you know yeah I, I'll give you all the candy you want because I want you to love me and I want you to have all the things that I had and then like an hour later I'm losing my mind because you won't go to bed because you're all jacked up on candy and I'm <laughs> losing my shit right and it's like man I'm I'm perpetuating my own situation but at the same time it's 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 tricky to find that balance right well like you said are you doing them a disservice by just like uh, what did I hear? I took a parenting course here in January. And I was like, don't do for a kid what they can do for themselves. Right. So I'm a rescuer and I'm also always in a hurry. It seems like, so I'm like, here, just let me put your pants on for you. Let me put your socks on for you. And, yeah. you know, and, and Hunter's like, we need to expedite this. Yeah, like, Let's, let's yeah. fucking roll. And that's, that's my fault for getting myself in that situation where Hunter's like, I can do this on my own. I'm like, ah, okay. So where, where am I finding these faults? And then, you know, how can I just be, you know, plan a little bit better, give mm-hmm. them a little bit more time, you know, maybe not rescue them from everything. Um, because when the fall down happens, then it's going to be really hard for them, I guess, you know? Yeah. I just recently, so I've had this dish issue and it was a lot for me cause I'm the same type, like, and it's that, I think for me, it's that perfectionist mentality where I just clean it up myself and I, I would rather not fight and argue and then it's clean and I know it's clean well. But uh, I started, I said, if the dishwasher is full and I find dishes in the sink, like you motherfuckers are done. Your new (laughs) policy is you empty it and you fill it. And the one morning I came down and they'd clean their rooms and all this shit is piled in the sink from the landmines that they've been hiding in the the dungeons of their rooms. And I woke them both up at 6 a.m. And I was like, go do the dishes. And now, no issue. No. Do the dishes. And you wake them up at the most inconvenient time. And I said... I really don't care that I'm inconveniencing you because you did to me. So at 4.30 tonight, can you show up at Rick's house? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it'll be three. It'll be like 3.30. But it is, it's easier to do things for them than it is, right? It's just taxing on your time. And then mm. you, it's, it's a sequence of events, right? Because I yeah. don't want to have the fight. I don't want, because 
what it comes down to for me is especially September and October. Anybody that knows me knows my family is a football family and I need to be on three football fields by five o'clock. We're not talking European football. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's, it's just this, this really hectic window of time in my house, especially September and October. I get home at 3.30. I've got to have supper made and I've got to have kids out the door and ready to go to their, their practice, right? So I'm like, okay, I don't have time to get you down here to have you fight about it. And I know my kids go to move is drag their ass and do a shitty job so that they don't have to do it the next time. Cause dad'll just do it. Like I know the game that plays and I still willfully engage in it. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm solving my own fucking problems here. Right. I'm talking to myself. The, through this. We like are suckers <laughs> to our own children. They've like literally teenagers are master manipulators. Oh, I know yeah. my kids are. Uh, I don't they know where to get me, that from at all. <laughs> they have me figured out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, two two of two of our five kids are are actually on 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 like the spectrum. So um, I I uh, had to quickly learn exactly about what autism was because they have a lot of quirks that I was like, why are they doing this? Like, why can't they close that door? Why can't they pick up after themselves? Why can't they do this? And there's like days where we're like, I can tell you exactly who's been <laughs> in the house because there's a trail of stuff. And it used to drive me absolutely bonkers. And um, until I, I, you know, aligned my expectations with what was going on in the house, you know, I struggled. And, you know, now um, I, I've, uh, you know, found ways to, you know, help them to, you know, I guess you could say, you know, coach, this, coach them into trying to get into a, a specific pattern. So, so after you make popcorn clean your popcorn bowl, put away the popcorn maker, clean up the butter. Don't leave it for Derek to clean up the next day. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and it's, it was, uh, it was, it was tough, but, um, I've, I've, uh, I have definitely learned that when, when we have un, un, um, attainable expectations of what's going on in our lives, uh, we find our, 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 elves trying to take you know absolute control over everything and and we can we can only control what is like you know um in our circle right and i can't control what what my kids are gonna do i can't control what my spouse is gonna do and you know i've i uh i've had to learn how to be a better partner in the last year and a half because I know I was uh, I wasn't always easy to talk to. I wasn't always easy to um, get along with. And it's when you're when you're trying to you know change big parts of of like who of like who you you like are. Um, you you honestly have to take take control and take you know ownership of of you know the things that like you can you know do you know so it's yeah that's i'm looking at you like a shaman because that just like <laughs> hit home like the expectations that i have for a four-year-old a two-year-old and the one-year-old are fuck maybe they're 
too crazy sometimes. Like, you know, I, I guess what I've really learned in the last year for me is how to just be with, you know, that I don't have to solve other problems. They're going to have chaos. They're going to have high emotions and I don't even have to say anything. Sometimes I just have to be there for them. But still every once in a while that expectation clicks in. Like, didn't you hear? I just asked you something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're too, do it. You know? <laughs> he just wanders away and does his own thing. And then I get <laughs> frustrated and I'm like, fuck, he's, you know, I just got to relax, yeah. you know, just be with him and be his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but also not rescue him from everything. I just, I don't want him to fall. I don't want him to get hurt. I, you know. So the one thing I'm going to tell you to prep yourself for three teenage boys is like start burning sage in your house <laughs> or have an exorcism <laughs> because you will have ghosts. <laughs> and by that, I mean a whole bunch of shit happens and nobody did it. nobody (laughs) constantly like there can be three boys in the house and something's broken something's smashed something's empty something you know and and like putting empty cereal boxes back in the cabinets it's like okay who did that not me not me not me well fuck i guess we got ghosts right so (laughs) that's that's some that's some loving advice for you is like to have somebody come over and bless it. Cause you're about to get some ghosts in your house. And I guess that's, and, and you know, I, I listen and you know, I'm grateful that I get to learn from other people that have kids older than mine. And I'm very grateful that my kids have never seen me drink or drug or, or what have you. Cause I'm hoping that I can continue to res- raise responsible risk-taking kids. Right. And, of course, they're going to have their experiences. They're going to do those same things. But I hope when it comes down to the nitty gritty and they have to be responsible for who they are, they've, they've seen it and they've seen it from their dad and their uncles and their, you know, their new aunt and their new uncle that that's the way we're supposed to live. And that's, I guess the beauty of where I'm at in life right now is I'm doing this all for me, but it's for a higher purpose. You know, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being a parent, which you guys know, and I'm just figuring out, um, and with that responsibility, I have a lot of fear <laughs> and I don't want to fuck it up and I'd want to do it right. But I get to be that example of just doing it. Right. And hopefully they don't have to struggle like we struggled. Uh, and if they do, okay. At least they have, uh, they have some people that they can look up to and lean on and, and maybe not have to uh, go as far into the pit that we went. Right. Yeah. And we'll always make mistakes as parents. Yeah. We're not we're not perfect people. That's our job. Nobody's to perfect. We learn just like they do. And I think that's the cool part is that yeah. I think we've surrounded or I know I've surrounded myself with people that uh when I was drinking and drugging and hanging out with other people that were doing that that were parents, we weren't talking about their parenting and you know how to be a better parent or the fears that they had is just like you know, get dad another drink. <laughs> you know? and, but now I get to surround myself with people that are actually, you know, all ends of that spectrum of, of their kids have seen them drinking, their kids have seen them at this and that. And, and we get to support each other and just giving each other sage advice about how to do it. I got a really cool experience here about a week ago with my oldest boy. And I, and I recognized it as like a good parenting moment like i've got the opportunity to be a complete asshole here or be a really good example and so um 
Some of y'all know uh, my oldest boy broke his arm horrifically at the beginning of football season. It's pretty gross. They <laughs> <laughs> saw pictures. Yeah, so this was six weeks ago he broke his arm, uh, resulting in as bad a break as you could of your forearm. Um, so he ended up with like 28 screws, two plates, like had surgically rebuilt his arm. So me being the football dad I am and me loving this game and selfishly me recognizing like how much time I've put into his football career and knowing that he wants to play and I want to see him play. Uh, we, we kind of had this narrative that maybe he can get back for like playoffs. Right. And to which anybody who is in the healthcare field or really just with common sense is like, Nope, <laughs> Nope, that's stupid. Right. And so, uh, we we made a whole, I tried to be as responsible as I can. We went and seen a guy. He was going to build him like this custom splint for his arm so that he could play. And we had this meeting. We had an appointment, follow up with the doctor. And and uh, my boy's pumped. He wants to play. And it's his grade 12 year. So it's like extra shitty because this is like the end of his career, right? Potentially. Who knows? But I mean, um, we, we go to this doctor and, and on the way there, I'm like, okay, kind, here's the deal. I cannot lie to your mother. I will not lie to your mother, right? So I'm trying to set this example of like being truthful to your spouse. But then at the exact same time, I'm like, but (laughs) (laughs) if we don't ask a specific question, we don't get a specific answer, then we don't need to lie to her. Lying by omission. <laughs> no, no, no. In, okay. it, I recognize the. I recognize every bit of fault in this whole whole thing, right? And uh, so we go in. We go in to see the surgeon, and uh, he walks in, spends like two minutes in the room, and he's like, "Hey, uh, yeah, looks like it's healing up pretty good. Uh, I want to see you again in in six weeks, six more weeks." And he turns to leave, and like me and me and my boy, we look at each other, and we're like, "Holy shit!" He didn't say anything. Like, we're good. We're good. <laughs> And then just as the surgeon gets to the door, he turns around, he looks at my boy and he goes, how'd you do this again? He says, playing football. He goes, yeah, yeah. You won't be playing any contact sports for another, at least six weeks and leaves the room. And like me and my boys both look at each <laughs> just other, deflated. just completely <laughs> deflated. Right. Cause he knew I'm not lying to mom. Like, boom, yeah. we're, it's, it's over right there in the moment. Right. So then I had to go and, and he was upset. Right. And I was upset and we were both upset that, and, and I had to explain to him, I'm like, listen, dude, you're, I've put your mom in a terrible position where she's going to feel like the bad guy here. And that's not fair to her. I said, I don't need you. Well, it's not even that I don't need him to like make her feel like shit. I need him to recognize that she's the right one here and I'm wrong. He's wrong. Like, let's trust your your mother does have your best interest at heart. interest at heart for sure. The surgeon, I mean, really, what is an orthopedic surgeon? <laughs> Probably way more than I do, right? I'm pretty sure there's a bit of schooling that went into that. <laughs> and so it was. Uh, it, I spent I spent a bit of time with them trying to go. Okay, like we can't we can't go home. You can't be bitter at mom because, like, regardless, she's gonna she's going to feel like the bad guy that is is she knows that i would let him play she knows he wants to play and she knows that she's the voice of reason right so there's a certain amount of of weight that comes with that and and i really felt like it was important to explain to him that i'm an idiot 
he's an idiot and she's right. So like, whatever you do, don't go home and, and make any kind of comment to her. That's going to make her feel worse than she probably already does, even though she shouldn't cause she's right. And, uh, and it was pretty cool to have that hour or two with my son to process that together and have him get it mm-hmm. right. Have have to recognize the maturity in him that he understood. He understood that and not just be the bitter, resentful teenager that I'm sure I would have been at the time. Right. Yeah. It was pretty cool. That is cool. And it's also cool that you didn't rush home with your son and get on the internet and find the narrative to debunk the medical profession <laughs> and the orthopedic surgeon and say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going to go do this. <laughs> we won't go down that rabbit hole, but cool. Good story. And I think I also, you ran that past me and I think I was on your side. Yeah, yeah I did. Right? I, call, I did. I called you and I'm like, so like you played broken, right? And he's like, oh shit. Yeah. I played broken. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, I looked at it going, okay. So here's my argument to the side of the story. I looked at it from, from my point of view going, he's got two games left of his grade 12 football career. Even if he, even if this does go wrong and he breaks his arm again, it's a broken arm. It's going to heal. Yeah. Like even if the surgery goes south and he needs another surgery, it's surgery. He's already had one. They're going to bolt it back together. It'll be okay in the long run. The, those two games will form core memories for the rest of his life that he would, cause I know I remember my last two games play by play mm-hmm. down by down. Yeah. I can, I relive that shit more often than I should. Right. And so I know the value of those core memories. And so in, in my mind and, and don't get me wrong, there was absolutely a selfish aspect that I wanted to see my boy play. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recognize the value of those core memories in, in shaping the person that he potentially could become. Right. And, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't just fuck it. Let's go play football. Like there was, there was a thought process mm-hmm. behind it. And it was in my thinking at the time with his best interest at heart of the value of those core memories. Cause like, sorry, I don't know much about your history, but I know like we were athletes. Right. And, and I know the value of those memories and how, how much of a core defining memory they, those last games became to me. And I didn't want him to not have that. Yeah. But maybe that memory that he'll have is the one of that conversation that you guys had on the way home. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, uh, our experience is our experience and it happens perfectly the way it's supposed to. And to see, to see the growth in you, you know, when we talked about that story that you just told or the one where your son wants to change the tires on his truck and you just, you, you recognize that this is that moment. And for me to have those moments with my son, you know, and Ryan's going to have those mm-hmm. with Ollie and, you know, to, to hear what you, you know, making your kids responsible with like, you're going to do the dishes. This is part of it. Um, all those little things at some point, you know, for me, they clicked in. I'm like, yeah, my, my dad had, was a dink, you know, there was some violence, there was these things, but my dad did the best he could with what he had. And I'm pretty proud to be his son today, you know, and they'll look back on whatever they experienced or whatever they seen us do. And at some point they'll, that'll be part of their story, but they'll also have this part of their story where my, my dad, my mom chose to do different, to chose to be the voice that turned into this tidal wave that helped medicine hat become this community of, of hope and of love and of, uh, 
whatever it is. And it's pretty cool to, again, be on the tip of that spear that's paving the way, not only for ourselves, but for our kids and in turn the community and those around us, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Well, I was just going to say, I'm really excited for the day that my kids think I'm cool too. Me ah, too. I'm pretty. I'm, <laughs> fuck, my kids think I'm a hero. I, do you see what I wore to school today? <laughs> Wait till they're teenagers. Oh, then they hate it, you again. It, it oh. ebbs and flows, buddy. Yeah, uh, I'll be rolling in there in my USA speedo and vest. <laughs> it's not even take Halloween. Your dad dad. To work. Take your dad to school day. That white it's cowboy boots. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Tuesday in yeah. freaking June, and he's walking to school in a speedo. Poor kids. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have to hire Dave to set up his cameras on that day. <laughs> See if you can make it ten minutes on TikTok. Oh, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, I guess you know a big part of being a you know a dad to me now is trying to break that you know generational curses right because um when we when we can help our our kids to um to you know experience everything that that happens to them um from from a positive spot and you know show them that yeah you know what i made a lot of you know crappy decisions back in the day and you know i i i don't want you to to you know do the things i did and handle them the way you know that i did you know and and i i uh i have a big spot in my heart for you know guys who have concussions and that and um you know i I uh, I want to do everything that I possibly can to to make sure that my son doesn't ever end up getting one. But I know that that that's probably not going to be, you know, possible because it, he's probably going to end up getting on the back of some kind of an animal one day and um, trying to ride it for eight seconds. And that's something that I've you know he that's kind of what he wants to do sometimes. So it's um you know trying to. To you know, tell him my my past, and you know, show them that you know, no matter what you 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 know do or whatever you you know don't do, you know, dad will always be there, right? And and I think that all of our kids probably understand. Done that, and um, our uh, we we have an opportunity to to uh, make our our kids better people than we are at a younger age, right? Because I I honestly did not grow up until I was about uh, thirty eight years old, <laughs> and I'm still finding areas <laughs> where I need to you know change, but you know, our Kids are uh, very impressionable, and um, we just need to be very aware of of how they see us handling our our tough shit. I guess. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's a good analogy for everything. People are always watching, so I think I don't just put on my sober suit, walk into a meeting, and then come <laughs> out and turn into an asshole. I don't come in here, do a podcast, and then go out and do different. Um, 
people are always watching whether they're my kids, other kids or other human beings. Um, if I just show up as my truly authentic self and I'm willing to put myself out there and get uncomfortable at times, um, that's when I'll start to thrive. And that's, you know, the beauty of this, um, I guess we've been talking a lot about kids and about family and, you know, this is probably the, the first, uh, podcast that we've done where we've really talked about in depth about being parents. Um, but in kind of closing, what, what's our, what's our hopes for the second year of OCJ? Where, where does everybody see this going or want to see this going? And, and I think for me, it's, uh, it's exciting to hear some different voices um and see what they like all along i think we've we've the three of us anyway have talked about how anybody involved in this thing is welcome to come into this studio at any point with a guest that they choose and talk about a topic they want right and and maybe we just didn't have the engagement we didn't have the community we didn't have the we didn't have the mechanism behind us at the for season 1 that it was it was primarily driven by the three of us um and our stories and our struggles and and obviously there were some people that came in as guests but uh it was it was pretty rigidly focused i think um so i'm really excited to see you know there's there's a lot of people out there struggling with things and it's not limited to to the same things that we struggled with right so i think it's, it'll it'll be cool to see this thing this uh, podcast take on take on a different tone, a different voice, and and uh, get a little bit more versatile, I guess, with the with the topics that were that are being discussed. Yeah, for sure. For me, it's it's that tell our story and use our story, and it you know goes along with exactly what you said, right? Season one, the start, we in, we came together by telling our stories to each other and figuring out how we can take that action piece, right? You guys were catalysts in that. You guys got together and, and we ended up having a coffee, the three of us, and boom, here we are. But as season one progressed, it turned into, you know, it started to to change from telling our story to using our story. And by using our story, it opened up the doors for other people to start telling their stories. And once again, here's Amber and here's Derek, right? And now it's an opportunity for people, Amber and Derek specifically, tell your stories and then start using your stories. And that's, it's amazing how the people start resonating with your story when you start using it to open that door and create that safe space for someone else to reach out for help. And that's, you know, we, like you said, it was mainly the three of us using our story in season one with various guests. And now for me, I'm 100% comfortable to step back from this seat and give this chair up to somebody else to start telling their story and use their story to open the door for the next person. And never once was this about the three of us. It was about, you know, let's create those spaces. And, and what's the action piece? You said it from day one, right? What's the action piece? Well, I think season one was the action piece. And now for me, it's like, it's time to empower. We've empowered some people. Let's let them run with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to be a listener. <laughs> that, that's what I'm excited about. Right. And it's not just about us three. It never has been. And we tried to get that across from the start. And I think we did a pretty good job of that. It's not about us three and look at us and look what we're doing. It's about, it's that video you showed, right? The leadership video on YouTube. And and it's like the three donkeys jumping up on the hill. But now look at the other people that's this that started a movement, right? Now there's a whole bunch of other leaders that are stepping up. And it's time for, for me personally, 
I'm cool with just stepping back and watching this unfold because there's a lot of cool stories out there that I'm not the expert in them. And I know a lot of other people are suffering with the same details as somebody else's story. So let's let that voice have a microphone. How about you, Derek? What are you excited for, for being one of the newest members of our collective journey? Um, I am excited to um, be able to share um, share my my um, my my experience to share um, you know everything that I've kind of you know learned in the last eight years. Um, I uh, started out uh, from rock bottom and uh, had had to do a lot of the work and the learning on my own um, very late at night when I was up battling my insomnia. And um, I just, I, I believe that each of us in this room is here for, for a specific piece of this puzzle. And um, I have a huge faith in divine timing. Um, I have a huge belief in my higher power bringing people from all walks of life um, to, to a spot that that's going to allow more people to understand that they aren't alone. And um, I guess I'm, I'm so excited to, to be a part of, of a team that has zero pride, people who can come into a spot and set their past down and unpack it. And um, I, I, I don't know a lot of other people who, who are able to shut off their 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 you know own um i guess ego um to be able to uh, help others and um we we are not the you know professionals um we are we are a a group of people who 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 have had enough of of the terrible stuff that's that's been happening and um i'm i'm so looking forward to getting to connect with a lot more people and you know helping people you know connect with the right people that they need because we don't know everything and our our job i believe is is to help to coach people to to make tough choices and to you know stand by them while they're trying to pick and choose the what path and yeah i'm just very very humbled and forever you know grateful to be here today so thank you all cool yeah i'd echo a lot what you said derek like i'm this is totally, it's new, but it's not new for me. It's unique. It's different. Um, it's exciting. I think not only will my story resonate with a lot of people, um, and hopefully it, it has a bigger attraction to the females out there. Um, and then learning a lot about myself. Like, I think in this short little bit, I feel like I've done more soul searching on my past. Like, again, Right. And bringing things to fruition for myself and understanding things. And yeah, you're just always in this awesome space of growth um, when you talk in these spaces and you learn stuff about yourself. Like maybe I am an asshole and I do have, have some anger issues that I'm really not thinking and I've 
portray them a different way. And um, it's pretty cool. And, and I'm really excited to talk to some people, uh, get some education, a little bit of education behind myself to support people moving forward too. And I really am looking forward to growing with each and every one of you. So I think you're all pretty great. What about you? What am I excited for? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Damien, what are you excited for? Wow. I feel like that should come with some subtle background music. <laughs> yeah. Dave, Dave, get on it. <laughs> no, I, I guess I'm just excited to, uh, yeah, it's been a, a, a summer of, you know, I wasn't here for most of the summer and there's been a little bit of complacency, I think, that crept into my life where um, I pull away when when I don't feel like I'm adding value and it's easy for me just to not check emails and not do these things and not be engaged and and then I I feel like just in the like since yesterday I feel kind of invigorated I I, I want to be that causal agent of change but I know that I have to take that action right so and then just listening to the conversation that we just had about parenthood and all that and I'm learning you know with open ears that from my peers right um, and I think I'm, I'm excited to, to come up with some good content, um, letting, you know, the universe kind of guide us and, and people that want to be a part of this to reach out, um, so that they can share their stories. And I want to be just that causal agent of change. I want to listen more and learn from people and continue to, to bring a strong message to our community. I still think there's, there's people out there that are struggling, um, like Derek said, to, to let them know that they're not alone. Um, I want to be out there to be that hand that reaches out to allow them to pull themselves out of the, the pit. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and in doing so selfishly, just becoming that better parent, you know, that better husband, that better, you know, friend, brother, you know, son, everything. Um, I'm not done growing every year since I got sober has been another 10. You know, I meet my wife, we get yeah. married, 10, 10, we have Hunter, 10, Harris, 10, Oh, and 10, you know, maybe we'll have another baby. <laughs> what do you think about that, Julie? <laughs> More theme music. Yeah. <laughs> I've been bugging her quite a bit lately about that. She just cringes, but, uh, but I just want to, I want to continue to become the best version of me because I deserve it. And I got to remind myself some days that I deserve that. Right. And, uh, I'm going to be an active participant in, uh, in my life. I know, and not become complacent. And you guys have been that example for me mm -hmm. uh, over the last four months and today. And uh, I look forward to just being. That's it. It's awesome. Yeah. So awesome. Cool. Hey, so, well, one last thing before we quit or postpone till next episode. I shouldn't say the word quit. That's too concrete for me. Um, <laughs> only, only quitters quit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, podcast. You know, we ha we recently had a lady reach out from New Brunswick who I shared this with Rick and we we talked about some feedback, right? And uh, she said her, her initial sentence was, today was a really shitty day. I had a really hard day today and my my stomach dropped, right? But it, it turned out that it was, we just listened, or I just listened to episode 27 from season one and now I'm finished season one. And this has been such a staple of my recovery. She was on day 300 and... 20 or something of her sobriety and, and her recovery journey. And this was a go-to podcast for her to, to really help move forward. Right. And um, I don't know anyone from new Brunswick. So once this, I don't know about you guys, 
Amber, anybody know anyone from New Brunswick? So I don't know how, well, I have a good feeling how this gets out there, right? Like the messages and the, and the ears that our podcast falls on comes from, you know, once we do the podcast and put it out on the internet, who knows where it ends up? It ends up where it needs to go. We've got quite a strong listener base in Taiwan, I noticed. Yeah, we've got some downloads in Taiwan. Good job, Dave. Um, but yeah, the ratings and the feedback on on whatever platform you're on, if it's Apple, right? I, I Just for the hell of it. And it's not about ego and it's not about how high we are in the rankings. It's how easy can people find these messages. And I think we're on page eight of the podcast. If you type in mental health and addiction, we pop up, which we never used to. But I know that's directly related to ratings and reviews and whatever else they're at algorithms were however that shit works i don't know but the more that are on there the higher we go on those pages right which <laughs> the more people who need to hear these messages hear them without having to struggle and go through the internet and find all these hours of you know wasted time searching for a message of hope so that's my blurb for the podcast so what i heard you say is if you have feedback please give feedback uh if you'd like to be part of the ocj family and you want to share some content or share your story reach out um if you're listening to this you already are part of the ocj family so you might as well reach out uh leave a comment and uh we'd love to increase you know our family because uh you matter you know and if you're out there and you're alone um and you just need somebody to talk to reach out um we'll be there for you 24 hours a day 100 percent. and i think you know that we're coming up on a year i think that was our guiding our guiding principle at the very beginning was making sure that nobody has to feel like they're alone in whatever it is they're dealing with so um we recognize that we've been a little bit potentially one-dimensional in the last year and we're trying to improve on that so yeah um like ryan said if you can uh, give us a rating that helps spread this message and uh whatever whatever platform you're on Thanks. Perfect. So coming at you from the Plugged In Media Network, this is From Darkness to Life, an OCJ podcast. Drum roll, please. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening.